Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Tonight, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Missick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, tonight at 9, 8 central on CBS. Tonight, it's the CBS original comedy, The Neighborhood. I need at least a month to prepare for a debate, not six hours. Actually, it's four hours. <laughs> no, my watch is broken, too. With Cedric the Entertainer, Max Greenfield, and guest star Wayne Brady. You gotta fund the schools or graduate fools. I stole all my lines. Look, don't worry, I got a plan. Okay, well, what is it? Okay, so I don't have a plan. A new episode of The Neighborhood. You're gonna have to give them a show. Tonight, 8, 7 central on CBS. On a Monday, Sports Radio FNZ. Kyle Bailey, Evan Smoke, Ludwig, Mark Seidel. We got a full house coming up in about 20 minutes. Chris Spatola, ESPN, college basketball analyst, once upon a time a point guard at West Point playing for Army. And, of course, uh, former Duke assistant Chris Spatola joins us in 20 minutes. We'll talk about the uh, the NBA or rather the NBA draft and the prospects the Hornets will be looking at. So we'll get with him. we got a bunch of football to get to. Nick Carboni with a uh, Panthers training camp report coming up here shortly. And it's Monday, so of course that means we'll check in with Will Healy, head football coach of the Charlotte 49ers. I don't know if you've seen this yet or not. We were just talking about uh, some movies during the break there. Space Jam, the sequel. The, uh, the, the sequel starring LeBron James. Some of those uh, images, some of those clips have been revealed uh, is is this going to be the worst sequel of all time, Mark Seidel? Like, I, I can't imagine. First of all, I don't know why you'd want to reboot Space Jam. I realize that LeBron James is chasing everything about Michael Jordan's legacy here, so I guess doing Space Jam 2 makes sense. I, I can't imagine. I don't even know if I'm going to watch it. No, I'm I, not. I, I, I won't be watching it. I'm not watching it. I, I mean, first of all, I love the original. You know, and I'm not, I say that I might take a peek at it at some point. There's no way it's going to be better than the original. No. And I, I still don't know why they're doing this. Well, money is why they're doing it. Well, it's, it's why you do everything, I guess. There are people who will watch it. Um, <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, it, it, it's one of those things where, you know, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And they just, there's so much unoriginality. Yeah. I don't even think that's a word. It's not, well, it's close. <laughs> Coming out of Hollywood that they, or just, it feels like they just run out of ideas, so they just, you know, uh, reboot a movie. Yeah, well, like LeBron unveiled the Space Jam 2 basketball uniform a couple of days ago. I think it was actually last week that he did it. And, I mean, it looks like somebody melted a box of nerds onto a basketball uniform is, is what it looks <laughs> <laughs> I mean, That's what this thing looks like. Smoke, are you going to watch Space Jam 2? Yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, it's, look, look, I love Space Jam, the original one as well, but let's not act like this is a Hitchcock film. 
The movie is mediocre as, as all Whoa. get out. I'm sorry. Like, if it wasn't for that album, a lot more people, and the Looney Tunes, a lot more people would not look as fondly on that movie as it was. And plus... Okay, but hold on. Stop right there. First of all, the soundtrack is a part of any great movie. Do you think Forrest Gump is as good as it is without the soundtrack that oh, it's got? Best soundtrack ever. I mean, it's one of the best. Like, you're right. The Space Jam soundtrack helped make the movie. Who among us wasn't, uh, you know, listening to Basketball Jones? and uh, uh, What's the, uh, the, the R. Kelly song? Uh, I believe I can fly. I believe right? I can fly. Yeah. So I mean, the, the the soundtrack makes a movie. You can't separate the two. In fact, it just makes it better. But at the same time, also MJ was a wooden actor in that movie. We've already seen LeBron. He is a pretty good actor in his own right. Uh, Trainwreck. He got a lot of praise for in that movie for being a good actor. So I think LeBron can definitely do better as a movie star compared to Michael Jordan. So I'm saying it could be better. And I feel like people need to at least give it a shot. Like people are going to give a shot to Robert Pattinson as Batman. Now yeah. we're talking. <laughs> the the vampire kid is going to play Batman. Dude. Show him some respect. Show, like, do, what do you mean show him some respect? Like, you haven't watched Good Time. And a lot of people haven't watched The Lighthouse with William Dafoe. He's gotten a lot of praise for making I don't, I've never movies. heard of either one of those movies. You need to. <laughs> uh, Good Time is from the same directors as Uncut Gems. And Good Time's a better movie than Uncut Gems. It's it just... It, he is going to completely shock people. Like, peop, like people forget how uh, mad they were about Michael Keaton becoming Batman in the 80s. Like, that was a controversial decision. He is going to knock it out as a part, part as Batman. Ugh, and, like, this trailer that came out over the weekend, I think, is proving my point. And next year, a lot of people will shut up about Come on. Yeah, no, oh, the, the trailer came out. The or, Twilight it, it, Kid is going to play Batman. Yeah. And I'm telling you, I like... I was not a Christian Bale guy in Batman. I thought he like tried too hard to like with his voice and stuff. Yeah, that was weird. And he he just, it just he overplayed it. And but Robert Pattinson, I, I'm not I'm I'm not a huge Pattinson fan. Never. I, it's weird that he's playing I Batman. I watched the Twilight movies just because right. you know, everybody else did, but I did I, I didn't like him. I've never watched him again. But. He uh he looks like he's gonna he's gonna kill this role, man. Okay, all right, we'll see. I'm I'm not really into it though. I just I can't, man. First of all, I, like Clooney was fine. There've been Michael oh, Keaton was oh, the original. I Michael said fine. Keaton. Didn't say great. I said fine. Keaton was the original Keaton's Batman. The I thought Christian Bale was good. You know, I I, I thought I, I, the voice thing bothered me. Again, I'm not trying to go yeah. down the Batman Robin hole here or the rabbit hole, but like between LeBron James bringing back Space Jam and now the vampire kid trying to play Batman, I just I don't know. Oh, man. by the way, who's who is gonna watch Space Jam for the acting? Uh, well, I mean, then why are you watching it? Because it's a fun movie to okay. watch. Yeah, we'll see where that goes. Let me, let's go to David on the Asa Abloy phone lines. He wants to talk about the Hornets draft. David, what's up, buddy? How are you? Hey, man, I'm doing well, doing well. Um, I do have a couple things first. Uh, I don't understand why all these people are going after Montrezl Harrell because I thought they weren't watching the NBA in the first place right now. That Well, that's um, the other thing, too. It's a, it, There's a lot of overlap. If you were to make a Venn diagram of the people who are, who are complaining about the Montrez Harrell thing uh, and those who said they're out on the NBA because of all the reasons you just alluded to, yeah, I'd say there's probably a sizable amount of overlap. Yeah, so just keep not watching the NBA. Um, also, second point, I think you invented uh, the next uh, big thing in media, uh, which is uh, adult streams of these in the NBA NFL games where everybody's mic'd up and you can hear everything because that would actually be super awesome. So I think you should uh, trademark that <laughs> and sell it. Um, and then for the Hornets draft, I don't want to do this because I do not love Lonzo, but I really feel like LaMelo is the dude. And 
like part of me doesn't like saying that, you know what I mean? But I feel like he's he's the guy for them at that spot unless, I mean, I guess if Mitch liked uh, the Georgia kid or Anthony Wiseman more, you know, it's up to him. But that, that's what I'm feeling. It, it feels weird. It feels well, like I shouldn't feel that. Well, that see, I, I'm the same way, and I appreciate the phone call. You know, I, I have to work because I know I have to do this. As, as an adult, I, I know I cannot – you can't blame the kid for the sins of the father, and I'm just speaking generally, not as if I think LeVar Ball's a horrible person. I just think he's obnoxious, and I think he, he inserts himself in the, in the spotlight in the conversation far too much. I'm, I, I don't hold that against Lonzo. Everything that I've seen from Lonzo Ball and to, indicates to me he's a good kid, right? And so I, I'm give, I've got to give LaMelo Ball the same benefit of the doubt. What, what worries me from a basketball perspective about LaMelo Ball is, as we've talked about, the fact that he, he doesn't have a great jumper, which can be improved upon, and he doesn't play a lick of defense, but his court vision is spectacular. He is long and, and rangy and lengthy at 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, there is a lot to like about LaMelo Ball's game. And, I, and I, I'm not begrudgingly admitting that. I'm telling you it's just the truth. So I could understand why a team or a coach or some scouts could fall in love with his potential. Speaking of, uh, of LaMelo Ball, here's Gary Parrish, CBS Sports Insider, college basketball insider with me on Friday, giving us his evaluation of LaMelo Ball. Some of the stuff LaBello Ball can do at 18 years old, the way he sees the court, the way he makes plays in pick-and-roll situations, the way he creates baskets in transition, uh, just like it's not normal. Most 18-year-olds cannot do or even see the things that he can do and see, and it's all translatable to the NBA. It's why, again, I, I guarantee nothing, but if you told me to identify the person who's got the best chance to to someday be a Hall of Famer and the centerpiece of a franchise, I do think in this draft that person is LaMelo. So he, and the thing is, Gary went on to say, I believe that, you know, he's not sure that LaMelo is the best player in the draft, but what you heard there a second ago was, you know, if you're going to build a franchise around it, maybe LaMelo is the guy or LaMelo is the guy to him. Others have, as you know, said differently because that encapsulates the, the general lack of consensus about this draft, which I'm fine with. Honestly, you know, I'm okay because there, there's no, like if you were picking third a couple of years ago, right? When it was, uh, what, uh, Zion, Morant and Barrett, I believe in that order smoke you have. Yeah, that's it. That, that was the order of the draft. You know, there, there's an inherent kind of built in disappointment because yeah, you got a top three pick, but it ain't Zion. You know, there's none of that this year. If, if Anthony Edwards goes off the board first to the mini, to the Minnesota Timberwolves, I'm going to be excited personally, if that happens. I'm not a huge Anthony Edwards guy. Good ball player. I could see him becoming great. You know, but I actually agree with Seth Greenberg's evaluation from Friday here on the show saying I, I don't love his feel for the game. You know, I, I don't know that, you know, he has the same basketball IQ as some of these other draft prospects do. And, and so I'm actually siding more with Seth about that. So if Anthony Edwards goes off the board first, I'm going to love that personally. You know, because I don't want to see... The, 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 the Timberwolves or the Golden State Warriors, for that matter, who picked second right ahead of the Hornets, you know, grab a guy that I would like to see play in Charlotte. I mean, honestly, I heard somebody say this morning, I think it was Kyle Boone on the Mac attack, that he thinks Killian Hayes might be the player that we all look back on in a couple of years and say, ah, a bunch of people missed or passed on that guy. Maybe it will be. But I, I want to see the Hornets have their pick of James Wiseman, Obi Toppin, LaMelo Ball, and maybe even uh, Denny Avia, like at, at that point. I want them to have their pick of those players personally. So if Anthony Edwards comes off the board, hell, even if LaMelo comes off the board, again, I could see him being special. I could also see him see him being a complete flop. 
You know, but I, I love the idea of James Borrego and that staff getting their hands on a young, moldable James Wiseman to work on his post game, to polish his offensive game with that length, that explosiveness. He's a smart kid, by the way. Found out this weekend he's learning Chinese. He's been he's been learning to speak Chinese for a while now. Very cerebral kid. Love him. So if they went that direction, I'd be thrilled. I don't want to see Wiseman come off the board in the first two picks. You know, I I want to see him be there available for the Hornets at three. I don't think Obi Toppin's coming off one, two. I think it'll probably be, you know, Edwards and LaMelo or Edwards and Wiseman, who it's it's reported that the Golden State Warriors really like. You know, but I want them to have the pick of those three or four guys. My preference, that is, James Wiseman, Obi Toppin. I'll throw LaMelo in there because he could be great. You know, and, and maybe a Denny Avia or I'm I'm that's the thing is that we talked to James Wiseman last week, or rather James Borrego, my mistake, and I knew I couldn't get any specifics out of Coach Borrego. But I would love to give that dude a shot of truth serum and and get, like find out what he thinks about Denny Avia and Killian Hayes especially. A couple of international prospects that we just don't get to watch that much. You know, that you have to do some YouTube scouting on if you really want to get a feel for who they are and what they look like. I, either way, this is the most excited that Hornets fans have been in a long time for this organization and its future. That's why I'm so bullish on them having to stay with that third overall pick. Do not deal that away. Continue to build the slow, deliberate, smart, gradual build. And then, it, you know, be, be if something comes up along the way, a trade, you know, in terms of bringing in players from other rosters, Make those moves. The things that Mitch Kupchak has talked about the Hornets needing to do. Savvy trades, smart financial moves. If nothing else, I want to see them draft, make some smart, some smart, savvy trades, and do anything and everything in their power to stay away from the hellscape that has been the Hornets roster for the past couple of years. Overpaid, pricey veterans who are underperforming, too often injured, and not getting this team back to the just please but if that's the if those are the only landmines they avoid I'll be happy and I think a lot of folks out there will be too I trust Mitch Kupchak to make this pick at 3 I think a lot of people feel the same way not that he's proven he's the world's greatest GM of all time but he's got a pretty good track record especially coming from LA where he was more often than not picking outside the top 15 usually well into the 20s I trust Mitch to make this pick can't wait to see where he goes with it where he goes with it, well, maybe Chris Spatola can give us an idea next. College basketball analyst, ESPN, former point guard at Army, former Duke assistant, Chris Spatola joins us next here in the clubhouse on Sports Radio FNZ. Cruising on a Monday morning, Kyle Bailey, Evan Smoke, Ludwig here with you in the clubhouse. Sports Radio FNZ got a bunch to get to, including Matt Rule saying that basically the entire offense is having a great training camp, which sounds good, but can't possibly be true, can it? So we'll talk about that coming up in just a bit. But uh, we continue coming off the weekend of a, a great slate of NBA playoff games and more specifically here in Charlotte, the great news from Thursday night that the Panthers will Panthers, the Hornets will pick third overall in this year's NBA draft. Where should they go? Which of these prospects makes the most sense for Charlotte? We'll get to all that right now with our buddy, Chris Patola, ESPN college basketball analyst, uh, Sirius XM ACC network as well. He's all over the place sharing his wisdom and he's back with us on the Technicom hotline. Chris, how you been buddy? 
I'm good, Kyle. What's up, brother? I'm trying to figure out which of these prospects I like the most for the Hornets. And, I mean, I like a couple of these guys a lot. And I'm going to start with James Wiseman. We got a very small sample size of him at Memphis. He played just three games. But those three games were pretty impressive, Chris. If you're sizing up James Wiseman as as part of the Hornets' front office, what, what are the pros and cons? What are you thinking about his game? Well, the first thing you have to realize is he, he would you would be drafting him um, expecting his early impact to be defense, running the floor, uh, rim running, blocking shots, you know, more of a defensive impact. Um, he's got a long way to go offensively. Uh, you know, anybody who watched him in high school, because as you said, we didn't get a huge sample size when he was in college. Anybody who watched him in high school uh, – it was spotty, you know, and at seven one, with his length, I mean, he does have tremendous. He's about seven four wingspan. You know, you're you're going to get a lot of things done in high school, just because you're so much bigger and you know, in some cases, stronger than than other dudes who are playing in high school. But uh, he, you know, there were times he wanted to kind of be a Dirk Nowitzki s kind of a guy with a little fall away perimeter type of a game, and that's just not not who he was going to be in college, and and it's certainly not who he's going to be in the NBA. So. Uh, I like him, Kyle, as a prospect. Uh, he's got a long way to go in terms of what anything he'd be able to do for you offensively. Um, but in terms of just physical projection and physical ceiling, and um, you know, there's a reason he's you know considered in the top three because all of the physical intangibles, the things you can't teach, uh, he he certainly has those. He's a, he's a tremendous athlete with really really good physical gifts. Chris, I was talking to uh, Seth Greenberg on Friday about Anthony Edwards. Vegas has him as a slight favorite to be the first overall pick to the Minnesota Timberwolves. At this point, I I expect he probably will be, but, I mean, this draft is so wide open, it's hard to know anything for certain. But Seth specifically told me on Friday, he said, don't love Anthony's feel for the game. He said, I think he's a good player. I don't know that he's necessarily great. And I'm inclined to agree with him, but I want your professional opinion on Anthony Edwards as the, the potential number one overall pick. Yeah, well, okay, here's the thing. And, and feel, I think you could go up and down this, certainly the lottery, Kyle. And, and look, Seth is great. I'm not trying to impugn his opinion. But I, I think to pinpoint feel it is really tough in an NBA draft that for the last, you know, go back eight years, for example, uh, has been much more of a projective enterprise than it has been or a much more of a predictive, projective enterprise than it has been looking at guys who have arrived. So, again, you could go up and down the lottery this year and say, well, that guy doesn't really have a good feel. Here's my problem with Anthony Edwards. Uh, I did a couple of their games this year, and then in other games I watched, there were long stretches, Kyle, where you didn't even realize he was on the floor. Yeah, Like, he disappeared a lot. And in a college game where the talent is, I mean, we know it's not nearly what it once was. If you can't, you know, have your name called frequently in a college game and you're projected to be the number one pick, that doesn't jive for me a lot. Um, You know, even as bad as Ben Simmons' teams were or or as bad as, you know, Markel Fultz's teams were, those guys, you were calling their name a lot. Like, they, they just didn't disappear. And that's the one thing. You know, whether you call it it call it apathy or, you know, his motor is probably not where people want. Again, a product of being young, a product of being a, a, a young prospect. Uh, but, but just from a talent perspective, the thing that bothered me is he would just disappear. So, 
Um, look, I, I think he ultimately probably has the highest ceiling of, of all these guys that we're talking about in the lottery. But what I think people need to understand about this particular draft is that the floor that a lot of these guys are starting at is a lot lower than what we've seen in the last couple drafts. You know, obviously Zion, John Morant, I would throw DeAndre Ayton in there. Those guys were starting at a floor that was significantly higher than any of these guys we're talking about in the top five this year. Chris Patola, ESPN college basketball analyst. He's with us on the Technicom hotline. I, when it comes to LaMelo Ball, I, I feel like it's just so polarizing. I get somebody telling me they think his court vision's incredible, his length is is so attractive, and that he's the best ball brother, he loves playing the game, that he's got to be a top-two pick. And then others who are highly skeptical of his jump shot, of his defense. Where do you land on LaMelo Ball? I'm not a fan. Uh, I'm really not. And it has nothing to do with the off-the-court stuff, which I think is certainly a factor. Um, I, I think I've said this to you before. People need to understand this isn't the same LaMelo Ball who had had his hair dyed blonde and was wearing braces and was chasing his dad and brother around as they tried to create the big ball of brand. Like, he's all grown up, and he's a different guy now. And, you know, he's about 6'6". Six, six. Uh, he's still got to put on a lot of muscle. Um so he's different, and I give him the benefit of the doubt from a character perspective, although those are certainly concerns. It's as a player. Like, I just don't – first of all, the league he played in, this is not Luka Doncic in the Euro League. I mean, this is – that Australian league he played in was not a great league. The team he played on was not a good team. Uh, and so there were a lot of things he was able to do that he, he's just not going to be afforded the opportunity or the leash to be able to do those things. Um, he is very creative. He can handle the ball very well for his size. Again, he's about 6'6", but his shot selection is wild. His decision-making is high risk, high reward. So it's going to lead to some plays where you say, wow, what a great intuitive feel he has. But at the same time, you're going to say, okay, wow, like we just can't live with those types of decisions. So I'm not a fan. Um, I do think he's going to be a better player than, than Lonzo, than his brother, but um, if I'm taking in the top three, top four, top five, I, I'm not going to take LaMelo Ball. And I get people saying, you know, his talent and his ceiling and all of that. I've, I've seen the tape and I've watched them. Um, but there are other guys that I think I could plug in who, A, I, I would like longer term. Um, and, B, I just think physically they project better than what, what LaMelo Ball projects as. Chris, I love Obi Toppin. Love him. And now I, I know I'm told in the NBA draft you're supposed to want to go with youth and, and upside. At some point, we started looking at 22-year-old guys as being ancient. I also sometimes wonder if there's this expectation that guys just stop developing once they get to the NBA, which is certainly not the case. Um, I, I talked to a couple folks last week, and, and what I took away from it, too, is that people see this as – you know, I, I hate to project it this way, but it is similar in certain ways. Anthony Davis, you know, you, you're talking about a, an obscure guard that nobody's recruiting. All of a sudden, you know, Obi shoots up seven inches and then he's 6'9", 220 with kind of a guard skill set. He's the Naismith player of the year. Is that is three too high for Obi Toppin? Because I love him. Yeah, it's too high, you know, again, because you're talking about a draft now. And, and that's not to say I don't like him, but you're talking about a draft now where, again, it is much more of a projective enterprise. So, you know, again, I think you could, like, for example, if you're Golden State, Golden State is different, Kyle, because obviously they are going to be ready-made as a playoff team 
not necessarily a championship contender, but when you welcome back, obviously, Steph and, and Clay Thompson to, to that roster, you're going to be a playoff team. So you, you can draft, I think, strategically a little bit differently. If I'm Golden State, I'm okay taking Obi Toppin at two. Here's what I love about Obi, um, Kyle, and this goes back to some of the things I was saying about you know, for example, a, a Simmons or a Markel Fultz or even an Anthony Edwards. What, what Dayton did this year was historic, and it was, it was largely on the backs of Obi Toppin. Now, they had other good players, but the year that he had and the matchup problem that he was, it, it produced winning. It produced results, and I think there's a lot to be said for that. Um, look, he, he, like you said, he's got really good size. Um, I think we fell in love, you know, because we saw a lot of open floor dunks where he's going through his legs. He is not that good of an athlete in the half court. To me, he was always a little bit stiff. I think it affects his defensive ability. I I do wonder how he's going to guard or who he's going to guard at the NBA level. Um, Some of the things that they did uh, that his coach, Anthony Grant, did with him at Dayton, posting him up, using him in pick and rolls, it's just not going to go in the NBA the way it did in college. So, he is going to be a different player. But if you want maturity, you want an interesting skill set, you want a guy who can play multiple positions, you want a guy, for example, if you're Golden State, that you can plug in and, and he's going to make an immediate impact and not really rock the apple cart, then I love him there. If I'm Charlotte, I think there's other directions you can go. I'm not necessarily settling on Obi Toppin there at three. Okay. Hey, a couple quick things I'll let you go here. The international players, there, there are a couple, but the two that really stand out to, to most folks in this conversation, Denny Advia and, uh, and Killian Hayes. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah. You know, I do like Avdia. I, I think people need to understand, because I'm starting to see a little bit of Luka Doncic. Yep. Well, that, you know, they are – astronomically different prospects, okay? Like Luka Doncic was perhaps the most accomplished Euro player, international prospect to ever come into the NBA. He was a once-in-20-years prospect. Uh, this is not hindsight. I said this before that draft. Uh, he, he was special. He was different. Um, so Avdia is not Luka Doncic. But that said, he's 6'8", 6'9", with a pretty good feel, uh, he's not a good shooter of the basketball. Uh, he's not nearly as physically gifted uh, as Doncic. He's going to have to put on some weight. But I do like him, and I like him a lot better than Killian Hayes. I like him in the top five. I, I think he's going to be a very good NBA player. He's not the centerpiece of a franchise by any stretch. But I think in the next two, three years, he'll be a very good starter in the NBA. Uh, Hayes is an interesting prospect. His dad was a great player. Uh, at uh, at Penn State, uh, he was his dad was playing professionally in France. That's why Hayes is an international player. It's why he is French. Um, so he's you know he's got sort of that feel. He's he's got a bit of an American slash international game to him. Uh, he's got decent size, uh, but Kyle, he's very dominant left-handed. He's a left-handed player. And he's very dominant to his left hand. Uh, he's got a lot of room to learn how to play the game of basketball as he should. He's a young player. Um, but I, you know, again, there are some other guys that I would, I would look to, uh, before I would go with Killian Hayes. I think he's a top 10 player. 
but um, but he's got a long way to go before he makes an impact in the NBA. You know, I I'm, I'm I, I thought it was interesting that right before we came on with you, I saw you tweet about Luka Doncic, and I'm I'm so glad yeah. you did because he's been incredible to watch. And you're right. I mean, the Denny Avia, he has been drawing some of those comparisons, but you know, I, I don't watch film the same way you do. I didn't see it. You know, I'm just I'm seeing people who are in that business drawing those comparisons. What is it about Luca that's made him this special? Is it the fact that he was playing pro ball at 16 years old? What what makes him the way that he is? Yeah, it, you know, there's a lot of things that you can't teach that he has. You know, and I I think, you know, back to your your initial point there, and and this is the point that I was trying to make. You know, based on the way that the the NBA draft is done, it's easy to overlook a guy like Luca. And I think sometimes we get caught up in the translation of the European game and what league is he in. That's where I, I want to be clear and was tried to be about LaMelo Ball in that league he was playing in. It was not a good league. Luca and to that respect, Denny Advia, who's playing you know, for a very good Israeli team in a good Israeli league, the Euro League is the second best league in the world outside of the NBA. Luka Doncic, at the age of 18, was the MVP of that league. He won a championship. He was the finals MVP of the EuroLeague that year. Like, Luka Doncic was playing against grown men in the second-best league outside of the NBA for three years. Uh, So that's what he was doing. And, and again, it's not to say he's got a very intuitive feel. He's got a great IQ. Um, I think he's a better shooter than people get him credit for. Obviously, you saw that on, on display yesterday. Um, but people also have to understand, like, this guy arrived as an accomplished dude. So the fact that he was the rookie of the year did not come out of nowhere. We knew his name long before he arrived. And it was because he, at such a young age, he was a prodigy. He was a savant. Like, he, he's one of those guys who can sit down at a piano and just start playing without looking at any music or really any practice. They just, he has that ability um, along with obviously really good size and, and a really good skill set. Chris Patola, appreciate your time, your wisdom, buddy. We'll do this again soon. Thank you. No, no doubt, Kyle. Be good, brother. There you go. Chris Patola, ESPN college basketball analyst, former Duke assistant, former point guard at Army. Joining us on the Technicom hotline, he's got a good eye, and that was a good conversation. Plenty of reaction to that. We'll get into some of it when we come back, but who balled out? And something that happened over the weekend for the Panthers that I've been wondering for a while when it would happen. I'll tell you next. You're in the clubhouse on Sports Radio FNZ. Kane is in the building. Curry, way down to me we're, we're going to unveil the new who balled out uh, segment this week so we got to start taking suggestions for what highlight clips people want on this segment and it's not just because cam newton's gone now i just i like to freshen things up anyway but we got to get so we got to solicit some suggestions for the all-time great charlotte sports highlights that will go on the who balled out compilation i'll come back to that but we got to see who balled out over the weekend and smoke is up first what you got 
Takuma Sato, the winner of the 2020 Indianapolis, Indianapolis 500 with no fans in attendance. His second win at the Indy 500 held off Scott Dixon, the guy who's been dominating the IndyCar series this year. And by the way, even more impressive considering he's a, a native member of Japan, but has been staying with his manager during this whole time of COVID-19. So a very refreshing win for him. Yeah, no doubt about it. I got a couple of these. What was that guy's name again? Takuma Sato. What a wonderful day. All right, anyway, I, I digress. I got to go with a couple of these dudes. First of all, Luka Doncic. That's that's the obvious one here. Uh, received clearance to play after a, a sprained ankle and proceeded to deliver an historic performance, capping a 43-point, 17-rebound, 13-assist masterpiece with a buzzer-beating step-back three-pointer to seal the Mavs series. Uh, evening things up, 135-133. He put... <laughs> I mean, uh, that that sequence down the stretch, I'll get to that. But it was an amazing performance by Luka. The effort of the 21-year-old Doncic, who led the, led the Mavs to the franchise's biggest playoff comeback ever. After Dallas trailed by 21 in the first half, certainly qualified as something special. And according to research by the Elias Sports Bureau, Luka became the youngest player in NBA history to record a 40-point triple-double in the playoffs. It tied the second-highest scoring postseason triple-double in league history behind a 51-pointer by then-Oklahoma City Thunder point guard Russell Westbrook. The only other time a player capped a 40-point playoff performance by hitting a make-it-or-lose buzzer beater was when the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan hit the shot over the Cleveland Cavaliers' Craig Elo back in 1989 and Luca did it on a sprained left ankle without Kristaps Porzingis who was a last minute scratch because of a uh, the, the right knee soreness he was dealing with and Porzingis's game 5 status is yet to be determined that's who balled out though I'm not quite done yet because there were some prime performers over the weekend and and yesterday sticking with the NBA playoffs for a second Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell the first time in playoff history that two opposing players each scored 50 points in a postseason game and only the sixth time that has happened in NBA history, according to ESPN stats and information. Jamal Murray tried his best to even up that series. He buried nine three-pointers, scored 50 points to go with 11 rebounds and seven assists. But Donovan Mitchell, on a rare playoff scoring tear, he scored 51 as part of that 129-127 Utah win uh, to push the third-seeded Nuggets to the brink. And the sixth-seeded Jazz can eliminate Denver tomorrow night in Game 5. But you had these two guys going dueling 50-point performances against one another and then getting to NASCAR yesterday. What, like, I, what, what more do you say, Smoke, about Kevin Harvick? Winning uh, at Dover yesterday, taming the Monster Mile, his seventh his series leading, that should go without saying at this point, seventh win of the season, his third at Dover, the 56th of his career, which ties him with Kyle Busch for ninth all time. I don't know what to say about Kevin Harvick at this point. <laughs> like, I, honestly, I kind of feel sorry for Denny Hamlin. He's like in the Mark Martin position that, that he had so many times. Like, Denny's having the best year of his career, yet Kevin Harvick's having a better year. Yeah. It's like Denny won the Saturday race and it all gets outshined because Kevin Harvick completely dominates the race at uh, Dover on Sunday. It's, and he like, honestly, he, he already clinched regular season championships. So that's about a 15 extra points that he gets there. So honestly, Kevin Harvick is going to be the most comfortable man going into Daytona, not having to worry about a thing while everyone else is on pins and needles going into the final race before the playoffs at the most unpredictable track 
in the series. Whew, man, it was uh, it, it's dominance, pure dominance from Kevin Harvick. Now, uh, I, let me touch on this before I get to the Panthers here, because we got a lot of football to talk about in the second half of the show. But uh, I've had a few people reach out and say, KB, are you going to make the, to take this opportunity to make fun of Philadelphia for for showing everyone how the process uh, it really means how to be swept and, and how draft trades can go badly. Uh, I've had a few people reach out. Yeah, no, I, I have no problem dancing on the graves of the 76ers this year. Once again, once again, they made it to the second round of the playoffs with this group one time or beyond. One time, swept out of the playoffs by the Boston Celtics. They got to blow that thing up. I mean, Chris, I, I heard a couple of different folks say the same thing in the last 24 hours. I heard Chris Weber say it this morning. They got to blow it up. I mean, you, 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 you have to, don't you? I mean, we can sit here and we, we can bemoan, or I guess 76ers fans more specifically, can sit around bemoaning the, the, the departure of Sam Hankey and blame it all on Elton Brown. That's fine. You go right ahead and do that. Brand. Or what did I say? Brown? Brand. I'm thinking offensive lineman Elton Brown. But, I mean, it, it, you can blame it on Elton Brand all you want to. But, I mean, the results are what they are. They, <laughs> they are what they are. I mean, yeah, you if, if you really want to, get into like, like 76ers fans will tell you, well, at least we made it to the playoffs. It's a hell of a lot better than where the Hornets have been. Oh, I I'm not disputing that the 76ers have been a bit better off, but has what they've shown us what the fan base has gotten in return for five years of torture. Was it worth it? I would argue it's absolutely not, not even close to being worth it. So yeah, the 76ers are going to have to blow this thing up. And maybe not completely start over, but it just goes to show you once again that cutting corners intentionally losing as a way to try to get good again is far from a guarantee. And somebody said, no, Ben Simmons. Don't you want a point guard you can rely on to knock down a jump shot in the playoffs? I mean, come on. Come on. Enough with the excuses. I don't want to hear any more excuses about this team. With or without Ben Simmons, the Celtics are the better basketball team, and, and it might not have been a sweep, but it still ends the exact same way. Smoke. Yeah, and all the people that are saying, well, Sam Hankey got his leg cut off from underneath him. Yeah, it did. But what gave you any hope for him to actually get to the point where the Sixers are at now? What what did do you think? To take a couple more years? I mean, it, it's not – it's – you're not supposed to do that. Like the only reason they got away with it for so long is because they're in a big market like Philadelphia, where somehow they got them to drink the Kool-Aid yep. for them believing it was going to happen. And they could sustain so many years of sucking because they're in a big market city like Philadelphia that has had a well-established organization for years. When people say that about Charlotte, look, the goodwill would have been wiped out. They quit after two years of tanking because they realized, Oh, this isn't making a profit for us. We need to at least get something. And that's when they signed out Jefferson Honestly, the person you should blame for this, Joshua Harris, the own, the guy who owns the Sixers. Guess what? He bought the team in 2011. He let it all happen. He let Sam Hinkie get there, and then you had the whole burner thing, and then you had Elton Brand. <laughs> and so it's resulted in a center who you really like, but his injury history is kind of worrisome. You're talking about the Colangelo burner thing. Yeah, the Colangelo yeah, 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 burner. Yeah. And then you got yeah. the best that comes from it is Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, and the best you've done is losing a heartbreaking loss in the semifinals to Kawhi Leonard. Look what you've done. I just saw Parcel curl around behind the wall so we can listen to our 76ers process talk. I see you back there, Parcel. Can't wait to hear your takes on this later. Defending the process. Go for it. All right. I, I told you that something happened over the weekend uh, with the Panthers that I, I wondered how long it would take for this to happen. 
Um, and, and look, nothing is official yet, at least to the best of my knowledge, but uh, it came out yesterday that the Panthers are working out wide receiver Cam Phillips. Uh, Cam Phillips played his college. He actually left Blacksburg as the all-time leading receiver in Virginia Tech history and uh, then spent last year in the XFL with P.J. Walker, tearing it up. And, and he led the XFL with nine touchdown receptions. I think had nearly 500 yards receiving in a couple of games. He was P.J. Walker's primary target down in Houston. So, I mean, and, and I say that to say I simply just wondered when they would bring him in maybe as a camp body you know, to work him out, which is what they did yesterday. Field Yates, the first to report it, that the Panthers hosted Cam Phillips for a workout. And, and as he pointed out, if they were to sign him, he'd join his XFL quarterback, P.J. Walker, in Carolina. You know, th- this is a team that I, I saw some people yesterday saying, well, they got plenty of wide receivers. We need some plays or help in other places. I get that, you know, but it's just a workout. And and I does the P.J. Walker connection matter that much? No, it really doesn't, because P.J. Walker is not going to be your quarterback in 2020. But I wondered when that would happen. I mean, I, I wouldn't like I, I've already got people saying, you know, Cam Phillips and the XFL Mahomes, P.J. Walker going to lead them for the Panthers to multiple Super Bowls. Probably not going to happen like that. You know, Cam Phillips. Uh, very, he's a worker, uh, very sure handed, you know, he's a guy you want in your locker room for sure, but not, he doesn't have great speed, great, honestly, great speed or great size. He's just maximized his ability, maximized his potential. Now, I don't know how much more he's got, but I was wondering like when they signed PJ Walker months ago, I I think I told smoke, I said, well, it, it would lead me to believe that at some point it would have behooved them or somebody else to at least give cam Phillips a look after the way he set the XFL on fire this past spring. Well, that, and you know, yeah, there's a lot of wide receivers that the Panthers currently have, but unfortunately, one of the uh, camp standouts this year is already out for the year, Omar Bayless. Like, we were talking so much about him over the last week or two, and then, you know, we realized, oh, he's out of practice. Oh, he's out of practice again. What's wrong? And then, unfortunately, Matt Rule had to be the bearer of bad news that he's pretty much out for at least a couple weeks, if not the year. Yeah, so, I mean, this may lead to nothing ultimately, but I'm not surprised that they did this. And then I also have people... Actually, I'm going to hold off on that. I'm going to wait on that because there's something I want to talk about on the other side. The Cam Phillips thing's interesting. I don't know if he'll stick. Hell, they haven't signed him. All they did was work him out. I'm not surprised they brought him in. There's a lot that Matt Rule said at practice over the weekend that I do want to get to because, as I told you earlier, I got to get to Matt Rule essentially telling us that the entire offense is having a phenomenal training camp, which is both, you know, encouraging but can't possibly be true. So we'll talk about that. But also specifically when we come back, there are a bunch of Panthers fans that have been hitting me up for the past 24 hours. And I I saw it on the text line this morning as well, asking if a particular addition to Carolina's roster would make sense for this team prior to the 2020 season. If a particular player could help Carolina, I'll tell you who it is and why my answer is no on the other side. You're in the clubhouse on Sports Radio FNZ. 